Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast with Andy and Parker. Give me a hell yeah. Welcome everybody to the Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. I am your host, Andy Burrows, and I'm joined as always by my illustrious co-host, good friend and tag team partner. Mr. Parker Hamlet. Parker, what's going on over the good old USA, my friend? I'm doing a hell of a lot better than Vinny Mac is doing right now. Um, oh, you, you and I are Commanders fans, so we're used to the Dan Snyder Chronicles. Barely used to it. Um, and obviously, Vinny Mac might be in some similar trouble here. We got some more details on Jeff Hardy. We got Forbidden Door this weekend. Uh, we got our first ever predictions for the pay-per-view. A champion here on HTT Buckle will be crowned. I mean, let's let's, let's get into it, Burroughs. I'm excited. Yeah, man, most definitely. I mean, let's start with, with you know, the news that shook the wrestling world. I mean, Vince McMahon, my man, he, uh, he stepped down as the, uh, the CEO of uh, WWE and Stephanie has uh, taken the reins. Uh, for how long we don't know she's interim ceo uh vince uh apparently has paid some hush money to a former intern or uh, someone that used to work with him uh for whatever's gone on we don't know what activities have gone on i don't know what to how to quite word it but what did you make of the whole vince mcmahon news because uh this is not a great surprise to me because those old school wrestling fans if you go back to the 80s jimmy snicker jimmy uh superfight snooker murdered his girlfriend and Vince McMahon covered it up so this this is small fry Parker (laughs) exactly and I mean you know there are some people making big deals about NDAs and NDAs are used almost all the time to cover up all this corrupt kind of shit and like you said Vince McMahon is in 2019 on a $100,000 salary. Obviously, he was married to Linda at the time. Um, you know, and then it turned into into a $200,000 salary after the relationship turned physical slash sexual. You know, then it was it was reported that he gave her to Johnny Laurinaitis, quote unquote, like a toy. And, you know, people are familiar with Johnny Laurinaitis. Um, you know, he's married to the Bell Twins mother, you know, Brian Danielson's father-in-law. And, you know, right after or right as this happened, you know, Johnny Ace was promoted to the head of talent relations. And then, you know, the paralegal left in January of this year. So yes, 2022, this, this isn't something that happened a decade ago. This isn't something that happened two decades ago. This is something that happened this year. So, I mean, obviously this, this is very recent, which obviously adds to the severity of the situation. Vince's lawyer slash WWE's lawyer, Jerry McDivitt, then settled with the former paralegal to quote unquote, shut her up. Another really bad quote. It was, I think it was a, a one million up front and then a couple more million spread out over the next couple of years. So, I mean, obviously, bros, the question was, did WWE money go towards this settlement with the former paralegal? Because obviously NDAs are legal. And of course, this is the same time as quote unquote budget cuts as well. You know, and, and Vince and company are claiming that it was not with company money. So like to further on the timeline here, let's get to February and March, where a friend of the paralegal emailed the board with allegations claiming that the paralegal was so so scared that she quit her job and also alluded that near the end of the relationship that it was not consensual. So, of course, this went to the board. Um, So for people that aren't familiar with the board either, they are elected by the shareholders to oversee Vince and WWE. 
they obviously hold Vince and WWE accountable. So after allegations, um, I think the board hired a firm, Simpson, Thatcher, and I can't quite pronounce the last name, to start an investigation. They under they uncovered more NDAs involving Vince and John. Um, so obviously, we haven't even heard the worst of this, and, and probably the worst is yet to come. But this is where the plot thickens, right? So you mentioned Stephanie. She left on May 19th as the chief branding officer. We talked about it that on the show, right? We speculated about it because, you know, Nick Khan is the McMahon slayer at this point. But, you know, she did stay on the board of directors. So then the June 7th report came out with Business Insider that Vince pushed Stephanie out because she was underperforming and it was to preserve uh, stock prices, according to the Wrestling Observer Radio. And, of course, this looked like a good old-fashioned hit job by Vinnie Mac, which, I mean, we've seen him do this to his family a million times. Look at Shane McMahon getting fired earlier this year for a backstage altercation. So this is the first time in 42 years, Burroughs, that Vince McMahon is not the CEO and chairman of the WWE. It is, in fact, Stephanie McMahon. What do you make of this entire debacle, man? I mean, it, it is crazy to think that this is the first time in both of our lifetimes that Vince has ever had to step down from this position, but I really don't see him losing any type of control here, obviously, because, well, I'll get into it, but I want to hear your opinion first. I mean, it's the first time that he's been caught potentially doing things like this. I mean, <laughs> I dread, come on, dude, man. I mean, any wrestling fan is into this, and, you know, and I know people that have, like, that know me, that know that when we talk about wrestling, I know my guy Adam and Nick is the show. We've known him, my cousin listens to this. We hear him talk about every family gathering we have somehow done for wrestling. And we always get into the subject of, wow, how Vince got away with what he got away with in the 80s is unbelievable. You know what I mean? So the fact he didn't get caught. So this is the one that he's been potentially caught with. And for him to step down speaks volumes. You know what I mean? It might be all well and good saying, yeah, I'm going to step down just while the investigation goes on. But he didn't have no problems putting himself out on TV to try and get the SmackDown ratings up on Friday when he said Vince McMahon set to appear on SmackDown. And I think I was messaging you while I was watching it live. And it was the biggest waste of my time ever. It was one o'clock in the morning. He just cut the shortest, shittest promo ever. And, you know, even Vince McMahon is going to use something like this to try and boost ratings. That already should speak volumes about the guy. Yes, that is great. He's given us professional wrestling. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be sitting here now talking about this. We wouldn't have had all the memories that we've had throughout the years through because of the WWE. But my God, the dude went out there and used, I remember messaging you saying, only Vince McMahon could uh, try and create some cash out of this. Controversy creates cash, as Eric Bischoff uh, once said, and at the title of his book. So is this a big surprise to me? Hell no, because he's been doing it all for the 80s. I mentioned the Jimmy Snooker thing. Uh, I do believe he had something to do with the Texas Tornado uh, passing, you know what I mean? So it's been it's been coming, Parker. It's been coming. And, you know, what goes around comes around. And I think this is finally, this could be finally it for Vince McMahon. I mean, he maybe should have stepped away a long time ago, given the reins of Stephanie and Triple H. You've only got to look at the poor product that's NXT now. I mean, geez, since he took that off Triple H. I mean, come on, dude. This has been coming for years, don't you think? Vince clearly has an ego the size of WWE. I mean, go watch his interview with the Pat McAfee show. He obviously thinks very highly of himself. And, you know, he would love to hear you say things like he is the reason that we have professional wrestling. But what a lot of people don't know is, is that Vince wouldn't even be where he was if it wasn't for his daddy. And his daddy uh, was actually very respectable, um, did th most things the right way, was very respectable of the territories. 
you know, think about Heyman's promo on Vince a uh, very long time ago saying that, you know, you turned this in, into a corporation, you turned this into an industry and you didn't care who you had to chop on the way out. And Vince, obviously, with that cutthroat attitude, monopolized the wrestling business. And that's why we're seeing today, you know, AEW trying to compete with it. You, you've seen plenty of people fail, Impact Wrestling, WCW. Vince has had a stranglehold on, on, on professional wrestling for a very long time. And I would say has gotten complacent with it. And obviously, he's gotten very complacent uh, with his very corrupt ways as well. And like you said, this is the first time that he's been caught. And for me, Burroughs, the shit that I've seen Vince McMahon make women do on TV would not. Is it really that shocking to think that he would do things that are worse behind closed doors? No, it's not. And I mean, you also got to buy into the like, obviously, see the, the reports and the culture of WWE. Dan Reichert, former employee back in 2020, you know, said there's a culture of fear there. Everyone there is afraid to rock the boat. And, you know, obviously a big reason why I don't think anything's going to be done about it um, is that, you know, Vince owns a majority of the shares. Um, you know, obviously the biggest impact here is if they hit his pockets a lot, like when they tried to hit Dan Snyder's pockets when they changed the, the Washington Redskins name at the time. Um, if he did not use his own money, I mean, excuse me, it, it, yeah, if he did not use his own money for this and it was there to be funds, uh, that we'll, we'll have seen the last of Vince McMahon. But unfortunately, I feel like his creative influence, I, even though I wouldn't really say it's very creative anymore, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. is always going to be influencing the WB and their decision makers, especially if Steffi McMahon is pulling a Tanya Snyder and sitting at the top. You know, I would feel a lot better if it was Hunter. I, obviously, we've seen Hunter do NXT and we've seen that he can you know, kind of give the blueprint for a really good promotion and, and put some young rising stars in the fold. Like I said, we saw how the, you know, the black and yellow brand was, it was great. But Vince, just like you said, opening SmackDown, we'll start with SmackDown first, just absolutely exuding arrogance, uh, saying then now forever. And most importantly together, uh, dude, <laughs> what, what did that do for anybody? It was just, to me, it just looked like some horny old man going out there basically bragging that you aren't going to do shit to him and he's untouchable that that's what it felt like to me it sent me to bed that's what he done yeah i mean it, it was absolutely pathetic it, and obviously you're right it was done to boost ratings and i mean it worked i mean there were over two million for the first time and god knows how long but you're using real life controversy a real woman's terrifying traumatic experience to get more ratings that's what you do you don't stroll out there and apologize None of that. And I mean, if you watch the, the broadcast, they're they're like putting in crowd noise, too. I mean, you got grown ass men in the front row just screaming a theme song like it's the funniest shit in the world, even after re reading all those reports. So for me, if you're going to blindly support Vince McMahon, you're going to blindly support Vince McMahon. But he's been like this for a very long time, like you said, Burroughs. And I, that opening to SmackDown was a waste of everyone's time. I mean, you had to stay up to what? God uh, knows. What 1 a.m. That dumb shit. 1 a.m. The show. Um started but like we said last week this this shouldn't this, this shouldn't be any surprise they carried on the owen hart show when the dude was dead in the ring that, exactly let's not let's not beat around the proverbial bush here they carried on a wrestling show when one of their superstars died literally died in the wrestling ring and they carried on the show so say no more but if, if, if he was always gonna do this this is this is small fry to vince mcmahon parker this is small fry he knows he's fine. He knows that the NDAs are signed. He knows that he is protected legally and financially. He's he's waiting for the storm to pass over, to, to, to just be blunt. And I'm not trying to make light of what the victim went through, and I'm not discrediting her story whatsoever. I'm sure every part of it's true. I, it would not surprise me in the slightest. But 
at the end of the day, if it wasn't with company funds and NDAs were signed, there's really nothing that can be done, even if the victim's family decided to speak out. Obviously, Vince has had these lawyers for a very long time, and he's been covering a lot of the stuff up. And like it was being reported due to the investigation that the board had, there is plenty more that that is out there. And what have we heard about that before now? Absolutely nothing. So Vince is going to do what Vince is going to do. It doesn't surprise me at all. And one thing that Vince does certainly is that he makes really mediocre programming. And, you know, the oh, rest of Friday God. Night Smackdown. Oh, man. I mean, we'll, we'll go through it, man. I, I got some thoughts on it. Obviously, we're not going to dwell on it too much. But, um, you know, obviously, Vince was pandering to the crowd a lot. And, you know, I feel like Matt Riddle was doing a lot of pandering, too, in his promo before he faced Roman Reigns later that night. Obviously, on Monday Night Raw, he beat Tommaso Ciampa, uh, got in, in Paul Heyman's face, and he comes out there, Randy, I you know, playing, you, Randy. playing Orton's theme, wishing him luck on his operation coming up soon, which was interesting, right? Because we get confirmation because uh, Cowboy Bob Orton said that, you know, he felt like they weren't going to have to put Orton under the knife. But it looks like those reports of Orton being out the rest of 2022 are actually true. How do you feel about Orton possibly being sidelined for the rest of the year? I think that's a bigger blow than than Cody, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge blow because I've got a feeling he was going to have a, a program with um, Riddle and it was going to be the whole like the whole like Christian thing in AEW. He's turning turning on his partner kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's a big blow. I mean, injuries are playing a big part in wrestling. I mean, all the big guys, uh, they're going down hurt. I mean, you've only got to look at, you know, uh, AEW with obviously CM Punk's out. You know, you've got a lot of injuries going on down there. And the main, you know, he just had the title put on him. Uh, hence why Brock Lesnar turned up on SmackDown. I'm not even mm. sure that was in. I'm not even sure if that was in the reckoning until all these injuries started happening. And I mean, then we, you know, we're going to get Lesnar versus Roman Reigns again at SummerSlam. I mean, just give me a, give me the rope, give me a stool now, let me hang myself because I've seen that uh, this it, if thousand I a... times, dude. I don't want to see this again. I'm not even. I'm not interested as a wrestling fan. I'm not interested as a podcaster. I literally have zero interest in that match. And when they announced it, I was like, man, well, SummerSlam is it for like another two months or something like that. So the build-up is going to be excruciating. Um, it's going to be the same stuff that we've seen a thousand times before. So, I mean, as for like the, the, the segments on Raw and SmackDown and WWE TV for me was terrible this week. Absolutely terrible. I mean, the main event was a pose-down party. Monday Night Raw. Imagine going to Monday Night Raw. You're all excited to go and see Raw. And the main event is a pose down. Well, what, personally, what is, is this like 1986 or something? Hogan Warrior or, you know, a Ravishing Rick Rude and the Warrior. I mean, what the hell is going on? I felt like the main event of SmackDown deserves some viewership. Um, you know, Riddle versus Reigns for the undis uh, WWE Undisputed Cha uh, Universal Championship. Um, Roman looks like he hasn't been taking anything seriously. He's probably the most out of shape I've seen him ever since he's been the Tribal Chief character. He gets a mid-air uh, mid spear for the win. A pretty competitive contest. I, I thought he made Riddle look pretty good. Um, you know, obviously he can't challenge Roman again because of this segment we talked about on Raw. Mm -hmm. um, there are rumors of WWE possibly wanting to take the titles off of Roman, him pursuing Hollywood. And, you know, like I said, I, you can't really blame them, especially after seeing how Roman looks. I mean, he just looks like he's sitting at home eating fucking Cheez-Its <laughs> and, you know, just showing up whenever it's time for him to pin somebody. And, you know, when he said there is no one left with eight minutes left on SmackDown. He was right. And then, like you said, the Beast Incarnate returned. And, you know, like you said, we've seen it a thousand times. But the question is, how many times do we have to see it? You know, I get that everyone's hurt. And you said, you know, a thousand times. I actually sat down and counted. 
you know, it's been six single matches and eight matches total between 2015 and 2022. And now they're confirmed for a last man standing match, July 30th at SummerSlam. To me, this match with Riddle was better than anything we saw at WrestleMania between him and Brock. And it's going to be better than that last man standing match as well. And I don't give a shit if they put the briefcase on a fan favorite and let them, because then there's people talking about Seth Rollins possibly cashing in again on the both of them. That stuff just make, absolutely puts me to sleep. So, I mean, or does Riddle win the money in the bank now? I mean, look, I'm cool with all of those. Look, but at the end of the day, there's no congruency. There's no plan. They just have that Roman is putting a stranglehold on these belts and we're seeing him and Brock for the thousandth time. I mean, what what was uh, Roman and Brock pitched at his WrestleMania, the the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, the greatest Mm -hmm. WrestleMania main event of all time, something along those lines. And that was one of the worst matches I've ever seen. And, and, and it sucks because their first ever match back in 2015 was actually a really solid contest. It was like, you know, why won't Roman stay down? It was pretty competitive. And then, of course, you have Seth Rollins jacking it. But at the end of the day, Vince has always loved these two touching each other. And obviously, it's smash the glass and pull Brock Lesnar out in case of emergency. And, you know, I can't blame him, but there's nothing interesting going on here. I literally, like, I cannot tell you just the the sense of dread that washed over me when I heard his music hit. I was just like, great, more of mm-hmm. this shit all but we called it. We said last week Vince is going to turn to someone that he knows. Like, it's not the Taker. As we said, it'll be Taker or Lesnar. And lo and behold, the end of SmackDown, it's like, like I hadn't sat through enough excruciating <laughs> crap and garbage that night. Don't get me wrong. Like you said, the Riddle match was good, but I was like, dude, man. I was like, I, I'm going to apply for a job as a writer at WWE. Because I'm telling you now, I, could do, I don't know who's writing this stuff, and they're getting paid handsomely, but they need to have a serious look at themselves. It's just like, okay, let me go and get my book from like three months ago. Hmm, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Yep, that'll do. Come on, man. Well, you want to you write up a script just so Vince can tear it up in front of you? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. Vince is doing this stuff for Vince. Vince is the only person that's enjoying this stuff. And, and that's the problem here is that, you know, obviously under, Brock Lesnar is, you know, a legend. I mean, I'm not dis- disparaging Brock Lesnar's impact. I mean, the crowd reacted to it. But at the end of the day, to sell this as the main event, even with everybody hurt, I mean, you've got – I mean, for God's sakes, call up Braun Breaker from NXT and make me believe that somebody can actually beat Roman. You know, I mean, just, just do something. Make it interesting. I'm tired of seeing these two fucking big, beefy dudes just – slobber all over each other in the ring the the matches are fucking terrible but you know let's keep talking about the bad and the good i think the only other good thing on smackdown is that you know the bloodline versus the street profits got announced for money in the bank for the undisputed tag team titles i think that's going to be a great match i love montez ford and and angelo dawkins i i I think that's going to be a really solid contest but as far as the bad this is the worst show that could have ever gotten above two million i mean and and we all know why it got two million I don't know why I got two million either. You got Madcap Moss versus Happy Corbin for the millionth time pulling their own Lesnar and, and, and Reigns. <laughs> you know, you, you got hometown win there for, for shoulder tackle Moss because I swear to God, that's all the fucking God does. And then he comes out after the match. Uh, I, I can't wait to have a fun night out in Minnesota. What the fuck are you doing out in Minnesota? Put a jacket on and go outside and be cold. Who cares about your hometown pop? So, and then the happy Corbin and Pat McAfee feud begins. And, you know, Pat McAfee, knowing all of his college football, obviously got the crowd really hyped up, starting chants and stuff. But I don't know about you, but with happy Corbin, this is a guy we haven't really talked about before. You could not pay me enough to do the shit that they, that they have him doing. I mean, you really couldn't. In a Hawaiian shirt, acting broke, jobbing to literally everybody. 
you really think about Corbin coming out of NXT with the lone wolf, wolf gimmick and what could have been with him. Do you feel like he's a good worker despite everything that he's being given? Or do you feel like he's just a joke, literally a joke at this point? I enjoyed him in NXT. The lone wolf thing was really good. But it, it, again, it comes back to what we've said for weeks now. It's just what they do. This is what WWE do. I mean, NXT back in, you know, about two, three years ago had a good product. And you look at every single person that's been called up from that. They're either not in the company now or they're doing what Baron Corbin's doing and they're dropping out. I mean, this, <laughs> this is WWE uh, in a nutshell. It's what they do. It's what they've done. It's what they've done for years and years and years. Um, the what's it Raiders the, the the two dudes with the beards that come up from Viking NXT. Raiders Viking oh Raiders NXT they were they were flying in NXT they come yeah, up bros, to the main did roster you, did you see the video package for them you know yeah, they're making I was, believe I that thought, there's dude I, Paco, I thought it was 1990 again on, like, on top of that they're trying to hype up the fact that there's Vikings that exist in 2022 <laughs> and whoever edited the fucking video forgot to get the black pickup truck out of the background so Good job, Kevin Dunn, who's obviously I, being honestly, I thought Hulk Hogan, but... I thought Hogan was going to come out and tell me to like say my prayers, take my vitamins, and then you know, I, I it was it, WWE right in the last week and a half. You know, they've had this issues off uh, camera, but on camera, terrible, absolutely embarrassing. I mean, I, I, I Raw, I couldn't even, I couldn't, I was pulling my hair out watching Raw this week, going. Oh my god, I'm only watching this because I do a podcast. It, well, I was embarrassed. I was just sitting there thinking, I'm it's a 40. Just, Don't get me wrong, I get a lot of stick anyway for being a 42 year old man and watching wrestling. <laughs> when you're sitting there watching Raw, I'm thinking, Jesus, maybe my friends are right. Maybe it, what am I doing with my life? This is terrible. Thank God, AEW. Thank God for AEW. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, I, 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 we wouldn't have a podcast this week. 100% because, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to sit there and talk about this shit and, and even act like I enjoy it. I mean, Shanky and Jinder in the hall versus the New Day, the dance party. You got Gunther, who just won the Intercontinental title, not even on TV. You got Sheamus and Butch, your guys from the UK boroughs, uh, qualifying. Him and Drew qualifying for Money in the Bank. You got Max Dupree, who was, you know, pretty solid next to LA Knight, not even showing up for another week. And I swear to God, bros, I laughed through the whole Raquel uh, Rodriguez and Shayna Baszler match with Lena with uh, Lacey Evans on commentary. You had Michael Cole and them just listing off Lacey Evans' physical attributes like they're trying to sell her. I mean, <laughs> resiliency, heart, grit. Lacey Evans. I mean, this is like mid-match. And, I mean, you can tell they're free-balling it. You can tell that there's no plan. But before we move to Raw, and I believe me, I don't have any nice things to say about Raw, the only good thing I felt after SmackDown was that we possibly got a report that Sasha Banks has been officially released from WWE. At the Raj Geary reported this. Um, Sasha obviously responded to it on on Instagram and said, I see, um, excuse me, see, this is why I stay off Twitter, making up stuff for no reason every single day. Sean Rossap reported that everybody, including talent backstage, was under the impression that this report was true, even on Friday night. If it's not true, I'm pretty bummed, Burroughs, but what do you make of the new report that Sasha has been officially released? It makes sense, because we said that Sasha was going to be the one they were going to take this out on. We said that nothing was going to happen to Naomi because of her relationship with the Usos and all, all things considered. But what did you make of the report? Do you think it's true? Uh, I hope for her it's true, because she needs to get the hell away from that company and go and progress her career and you know, be the superstar that she can be because, you know, she was hitting the heights. She was up there. Again, this comes back to what I said last week about the Beckett instinct. You know, God, I'm watching her fight for the 24-7 title this week. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, I know it's kind of an angle leading into something else, but Sasha Banks is a great, great talent and she's just getting wasted in WWE. But again, 
like I said a minute ago, it just comes back to this is what WWE do. They just waste talent. They don't know how to do it. They don't know what to do with them. They put them in these stupid squash matches or they put them in stupid segments. And you're like, come on, man. Get, just think about what wrestling fans want. When Becky Lynch was the man, she, was, she had stone cold kind of heat, like I said last week. Sasha Banks, when she was in NXT, had some of the best matches ever with Bayley. Uh, um, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, one of the best matches I've ever seen. The NXT TakeOver in London, one of the best matches I've ever seen. Again, gets called up to the main roster, has a good mini run, and they start putting the tag team titles on her, and they start, start putting her in these stupid matches. I mean, Jesus, it wouldn't surprise me in a couple of weeks if WWE bring back bra and panty matches. This is, how, this is how bad this product is right now. Don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fair-blooded male, and you know, I'm not gonna, I, back in the day when Sable was in Bar matches, I wasn't complaining. But now I, that, I was a 17-year-old Andy Burrows. I'm now sitting here as a 42-year-old man trying to analyze wrestling, and I'm thinking, where is this company going? And that includes Sasha Banks. Where were they actually going with her? Or it depends how long if she has left. It depends if she had a no compete, if she's not allowed to go and be in AEW for a certain amount of time. But the quicker that woman can get to AEW, the better for her. Personally, that's what I think. Could not agree more. That would be the big outside of Paige. That is probably the best signing they could possibly make. I would say Sasha Banks would actually do more for AEW's women's wrestling than Paige would do. But obviously, Paige, Paige is back in the UK. Too. She's announced at an event today. So her hometown, her hometown uh, I think in August sometime, she's going to be at an event in the UK. And there's talk that she could be coming back to do some UK shows and like getting off Good. the ring rust. If you're getting off a ring rust over here, don't be surprised by the end of the year if you see her in AEW. Getting yeah exactly and getting away from Vince and the Clown Show, like you said, is the biggest part of it. And the Clown Show was definitely there on Monday Night Raw because if you thought SmackDown was bad, Monday Night Raw took it to new lows. This is the lowest <laughs> attended Raw since the Thunderdome, October 11, thousand twenty-one, to be exact. And you already mentioned it. The main event of this three-hour show was the Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory pose off, baby oil to the face, Lashley getting carried out of the ring like it was a match. Monday Night Rollins is back, baby. He says the nightmare is over. You know, we got a mocking Triple H with the sledgehammer adapter Parish, and you got AJ punching him in the face for no reason, saying that's for Cody. And then, you know, they have a match, which, you know, obviously a little bit of a Money in the Bank flashback. Obviously, best match with WWE TV this week outside of Riddle. And what does that end with? A roll-up. So, mm-hmm. and the rest is just god-awful, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. We got Bliss and Morgan qualifying for Money in the Bank. You already mentioned Becky Lynch chasing the 24-7 title. We got MVP beating Cedric Alexander. Elias is apparently returning next week. I mean, that stuff might be funny, but who gives a shit? We got Veer beating up the Mysterios and, you know, the Street Profits and Usos match, a singles match between Jimmy and Montez. And then the Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair segment with Judgment Day, which is the only time we saw them on programming. Absolutely nothing of importance. You know, Belair and Ripley at Money in the Bank confirmed. You know, Rhea Ripley gets a new entrance, I think. I, I don't know. Overall, still absolutely no progress being made with Judgment Day. No edge, no nothing. So this, this shit with the Judgment Day is like we said it would be Burroughs dead on arrival. But we, we've been bashing WWE for 25 minutes. Let's, let's go ahead and move on to AEW, like you said, which is the, actually the good side of wrestling programming this week. And, you know, am I biased? Sure. And, and you, but you know, when I, when I have to sit here and be honest with you guys about what I actually enjoy, I did not enjoy any wrestling this week other than AEW's programming, to be honest. And, you know, what a solid opening contest between Jericho and Ortiz and the hair versus hair match. You had a couple nice near falls, uh, Eddie Kingston with the spinning back fist. Uh, Fuego del Sol interferes and costs Ortiz his hair and the match. Turns out to be one Sammy Guevara. So Ortiz loses his hair ahead of blood and guts. I don't know about you. 
um, Burroughs, but I love Sammy and the Jericho Appreciation Society. We obviously know the bumps that he had taken as far as like, you know, his relationship with the fans and his perception. Put him back with Jericho, let him take him under his wing, let him be involved in all these big storylines and hopefully he can get himself over again. But what do you make of uh, Sammy Guevara back with the Jericho Appreciation Society? If you're going to be hated, you might as well be hated for Chris Jericho. He's a master at it. I mean, I thought it was a genius move. When he took off the mask, I was like, yep, perfect. You know, we weren't quite sure where he was going to go, Guevara, after the whole TNT title debacle, whatever we can call that. I was really impressed with what the way AEW that. They're like, okay, look, everyone hates you. Let's make them really hate you. Let's put you, let's put you back with Jericho. I thought it was a genius move. I thought the open, I thought Dynamite, I mean, I don't know why a lot of people bashed it on social media this week. I thought it was fantastic. And the opening match was good. I, I thought there was only one thing I didn't like about Dynamite, which we can get to in a minute, but uh, the whole Wardlow thing. But oh, uh, it's funny you say that. That's the only knock yeah, I really have on yeah, this episode. I didn't have a clue what was going on there. I didn't even understand the rules. I don't think they did. But the, the opening of Dynamite, the Jericho thing, and then when Ortiz was cutting his hair, shank, blood and guts, blood and guts. I thought it was really good. I thought, as I, I was like, my God, I've actually finally watching a decent wrestling show at last after the garbage that I've watched the rest of the week. But I thought Dynamite was a solid. Uh, AEW this week was solid. I mean, don't get me wrong, they didn't have much competition, but um, Dynamite was a solid eight, nine out of ten for me. Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting, right? Because you know, people make a lot about the ratings, and Dynamite, of course, is, is only pulling like a seven something right now and you know we just talked about smackdown pulling over too but as far as like being able to actually sit down and enjoy what i'm watching i mean it wasn't even a contest aw road rager takes the cake this week and like you said i I like how you worded it with sammy if you're going to be hated you might as well be hated with chris jericho they kind of left the door open when he left inner circle nice to see sammy back where he belongs i think he can get his relationship back with the fans but obviously he's going to need jericho's help with that um, and hopefully one day he won't need anybody's help with that. Uh, but, you know, as far as young stars are concerned, you had Ethan Page taking on Miro to advance in the All-Atlantic Fatal 4-Way Forbidden Door. Uh, I love Ethan Page. Hated to see him lose this match, but Miro looking nice and strong. Let's let's keep moving, though. Hiroshi Tanahashi and John Moxley come face-to-face two weeks out from Forbidden Door. Um, I loved it. You know, Mox didn't <laughs> – for anybody who did not know who Hiroshi Tanahashi was, he he managed to make them care. And he managed to make this feel like a way bigger match than it probably was a week before this promo happened. And, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi just stood in the ring, didn't have to say a word, you know, known as the ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I like the entire storyline or narrative that John Moxley is pushing here. Uh, how did this, you know, factor into your excitement for their match at Forbidden Door? It was good. I mean, I wasn't overly ex- I'm still not. I'm still kind of on the fence with Forbidden Door. I don't know where I kind of sit with it. I think once it's here, I think it's going to be like one of them events. It's like WrestleMania backlash. I wasn't expecting much, and I was actually presently surprised. So I'm hoping Forbidden Door. I mean, they've still got a little bit of build up to do for it. But yeah, the whole John Moxley segment again, I thought it's fantastic. I thought they they it done what it needed to do. That they're slowly building a hype for a pay per view that. He, and I spoke to someone about this the other day. They're a wrestling fan of mine. He he listens to the, um, the show. Um, Scott, and he was like, I kind of with you, Andy. I'm not sure if this is just a filler pay-per-view just to get the, the Japan guys that we don't know in the States and over here in the UK, just to get them out there and do something that no one has done before, hence Forbidden Door. So I'm, I'm kind of getting there. I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see again what they do on this on TV this week on Dynamite and um, Rampage. But, you know, anytime John Moxie's in the ring, I'm excited because I love, I love seeing him wrestle. Okay, maybe a little bit too much of the blood every single match. Maybe, maybe um, 
tailor that back a little bit. But I love seeing him in the ring. I love seeing what he's doing in AEW. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm slowly getting there. But this, as for this segment on Dynamite, I thought it was very well done. I'm glad you put that that way about Forbidden Door because I feel like a big reason that Forbidden Door didn't quite live up to everybody's expectations as far as cars because of politics. And, you know, you know, CM Punk was kind of at AEW's control, at New Japan's control. But as far as like who New Japan was bringing to the table, they're obviously protecting a lot of people. I mean, you saw Kazuchika Okada lose the IWGP uh, World Heavyweight Championship right before, you know, the pay-per-view. And, you know, Jay White, obviously the champion, he confronted Adam Cole, who apparently has been working hurt. For some time now, since, I heard his, that, uh, yeah. since, since his AEW title feud with um, Hangman Adam Page, he tore his labrum and he got a concussion versus Joe, which definitely doesn't surprise either one of us. But he blindsides, uh, excuse me, Jay White uh, blindsides Adam Page. And, you know, despite his allegiance to Cole, confirms that he's facing neither Cole or Adam, uh, Adam Page at Forbidden Door. We'll talk about who we think his opponent is going to be at our Forbidden Door predictions. But, you know, to keep it, keep moving as far as the card for Dynamite, you know, you got the Bucks versus Jurassic Express in a ladder match for the AEW Tag Team titles. Luchasaurus going through four tables. You got the Bucks in the BTE trigger on Jungle Boy on the top of the ladders. I like that spot. Uh, Bucks become two-time AEW Tag Team champions. This was obviously the hardy spot. This is where they were supposed to win and, and get the gold. You could see it, but I'll never be mad about the Young Bucks winning the titles. I mean, to me, they're still the best tag team in the world. There's not many teams that can really lace their boots. They have more of an impact on the crowd than I think, you know, Express did their, their, entitled, their entire title reign. But, you know, after the match, obviously, is where all the headlines are made. Christian Cage finally turns on Jungle Boy, as we predicted here on the HTT Buckle podcast. Um, so Jungle Boy versus Christian looking like it's likely for all out. Book it. Mom and sister front row. Christian's talking shit to him. <laughs> Hits the concerto. Uh, emulating edge not too long after he gets turned on my judgment day what did you make of christian teal turn i i, I thought it was great i, I think this is going to be a great match to really put jungle boy over i hope that he can actually make the most of it but i i, I think christian definitely played his part yeah christian does what he does best man he's always been he's always been for me if you ever need elevating someone he's the kind of guy that you want to elevate you and i think like we said last week and we've been saying for a few weeks now this hill the hill turn needs to happen it's finally happened, and I think hopefully it takes Jungle Boy to the to the to the single status that he needs. I mean, the tag. I'm glad the tag team title was moved to the, the Young Bucks. Yes, it was meant to be the Hardys. That was quite clear. Um, that's what they were brought into AEW to do. Will it happen? Will it happen anytime soon? Probably not. Um, but the whole Christian thing, I thought it was it was great. You know, it's going to make good TV for a good few weeks now, leading up to the pay per view. Um, it's going to elevate, it's going to get Christian back on TV, going to get him back resting. And I always prefer him um, as a heel. I never really liked him as a baby face. I like him as a heel. I think he does his best work as a heel. And again, AEW made, you know, they're making the most of the talent that they've got there. And Christian is the perfect person to try and elevate Jungle Boy now. Whatever happens with Luchasaurus, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there. Did he just drop back down to the mid card? Is there some kind of rematch clause for the tag team titles? I mean, Again, it's all done on uh, rankings and ratings in AEW, so it's a little bit different. But uh, again, there's another segment I thought, you know what? Bravo. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thought it was really good. It's been coming for a while, you know, with the family at ringside. It's proper. Like, they were like, fuck you. He's like, fuck you. You raised an asshole. Blah, blah, blah. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was so well done. I was like, man, see, this is pro wrestling, man. This is, they don't pose downs with baby all getting squirted in anyone's face or some crap like that. This is why I watch wrestling. And again, AEW, another segment that they knocked out of the park. And again, it's gonna, I'm looking forward to Wednesday now to see where they go with it. 
Road Rager just felt like a big deal in general. And I got to lie to you. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I really felt like, you know, the Hardys winning would have been, been a better moment, you know, as much as I love the Bucks. But we learned more about Jeff Hardy this week. He blew a .294, legal limit is 0.8. Uh, he's been pulled from advertising, let out on a $3,500 bail. The, the body cam footage also released. That's some pretty tough stuff to watch. You had the officers pulling their guns on him. He's wearing a, a Jag shirt. I'm sure Tony's dad's going to love that. Um, you saw the sobriety <laughs> test. He was arrested at 9.54 a.m. as well. You had Rebby Hardy going on TikTok explaining the parameters they went through in to protect this bum, dude. I mean, you know, they had the venue not give him alcohol. They tried to get transportation covered. They literally coddled him, and he still finding a way to blow it. Well, AW officially suspended him without pay, and he will be able to return following a substance abuse treatment. So it looks like they're not making this a choice for him. And I'll tell you who's the real victim in all this, who I'm going to actually give all my sympathy to, Matt Hardy, who had this to say this week after all the news dropped. As far as what I'm doing going forward, I'm sure I'll be doing something in, the, in some capacity in AEW. I'm going to change it up a little bit, tweak things a little bit, and we'll try to make something happen. I look at it as a challenge, as an artist, where there's really no timetable on, on, on what's happening. I had a great conversation with Tony Khan talking a little bit. We have a few weeks to work on stuff. I'm excited, looking forward to the challenge. And this is the, this is the part that I really emphasize. I remember I, I even put it, I bolded it. It is heartbreaking that I won't get one last run with Jeff, but I will make the most out of it and be positive and optimistic. optimistic. I don't think we ever get this Hardy Boys run because of Jeff Hardy, and it looks like Matt has confirmed that. What did you make of Matt Hardy's statement? I feel sorry for the dude because he's probably had to write that statement about three or four times over the last 10 years. I mean, his <laughs> yeah, brother, copy and paste. <laughs> copy, copy, paste, send. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, when you send one of them generic emails and you're trying to get guests and shows, you just take out their name and copy, paste, and send it to the next person. You know, I mean, I feel sorry for the dude, man. I mean, he's probably thinking, man, let's, why do you have to keep screwing? Don't get me wrong. I don't want to see anyone on the planet go through any kind of addiction or substance abuse, but like we said last week, until you want to help yourself, then don't look for others to help you. You know what I mean? You, we all have demons and we all have stuff going on in our lives. You have to deal with... He, Jeff Hardy has to want to help himself. If Jeff Hardy doesn't want to help himself, I've got no time for the dude. If he actually sits down and goes, you know what, this is it. This is We're dancing in Last Chance Saloon now. This is it. If I screw this up, he's going to be doing house shows in flipping Outback Alabama to about 100 people. You know what I mean? That's where he's going to be resting. He's going to be signing in malls. He's going to be, you know, at record stores, just signing old DVD covers and figures because that's where his career is going to go. He's going to be at WrestleCon every year over here in Blackpool that they do. He's going to be doing crap like that where he could be right now the AEW Tag Team Champions. At his stage of the career, his career and Matt's career, that would have been phenomenal. They would have gone on a good run and they would have probably had dropped this they would have dropped the belts to either FTR, the Young Bucks, and that you know, hopefully they would have been elevated to a better match than we saw last time with the Young Bucks. But I feel for Matt, man. I, I don't know where he's going to go now. What he's to do? Is he going to be? A, is he going to be in like a managerial kind of role with a team? Is he going to be a, a singles competition? Can you maybe? He ain't going to be that kind of uh, AEW World Title level. I, I think the TNT they could get him involved in the TNT stuff. But obviously, Wardlow's now we're going to get to that too, and he's now kind of involved in that. Matt Hardy would be perfect in that. A, it'd be good for the uh, TNT title. And B, you want someone like a Matt Hardy in there with like a, a Wardlow and someone like that. Again, helping elevate the younger guys. Yeah, Wardlow's a big dude. And he, you know, looks like he knows what he's doing. But someone like Matt Hardy can help and be in that, like that TNT title mix just to be there and elevate other guys. I think it can only be good for the business and AEW. 
And this sums up why I've never pitied Jeff. And whatever Matt does come up with, I hope Jeff has no involvement in it. Keep Jeff away from it. Let Jeff, Jeff be his own little nostalgic act. You saw him singing No More Words at his little concert he had. Well, it's going to sound really great in a wreck yard once you're incarcerated for killing somebody for doing this stupid shit. So exactly. whatever Matt comes up with, keep it away from Jeff and, and let it actually be Matt saying, because Matt is a very underappreciated worker in this business. And speaking of working in this business, Thunder Rosa obviously making some headlines. And then last week you had Tony Storm and Britt Baker had a very sloppy match. Uh, you know, Tony Storm earns no more contender, so it's going to be her versus Thunder Rosa at Forbidden Door. Let's go back to a week where Marina Shafir liking some tweets referencing the fact that Thunder Rosa allegedly sandbagged her. Good to see those two make amends on Instagram about it, but definitely not a good look for Rosa. It would not surprise me in the slightest, bros, if they end up taking this belt off of Thunder Rosa, and we'll get into that in our Forbidden Door predictions, but as far as the rest of AWTV, we're going to roll through this real quick. Got a little bit of time here. Uh, Wardlow, obviously, versus the 20 plaintiffs, saying it's the largest disadvantage in AEW history. Uh, no entrance. You know, his hair came out of place. He was beating up a bunch of, quote-unquote, security guards. He had Dan Lambert sending out the goons, Matt Hughes, uh, Hughes and Tyron Woodley. Matt Hughes should not be walking or getting into any ring. That was absolutely awful. There, there, there seems to me, Burroughs, and this is why this is my biggest knock on AWTV this week, there's no plan with Wardlow to me. No, That's what it looks dude. like. I was watching I, that. You know who I blame dude. this one? Hot take. MJF. Their match sucked. He made it about him. This MJF storyline was supposed to get dragged out, but it didn't because he's not on TV. And he's over there, you know, voicing animated movies, chasing Hollywood, I guess, you know, even though Cena had to do it for a decade. But I don't know about you, but I've, I have a gut feeling, bros, that this feeling, that this feud with MJF was supposed to go a lot longer than one match. And it looks like that was the case according to programming. Yeah, I mean, I was confused as hell with this whole Wardlow versus the security stuff. I mean, the opening of the match, four of them got knocked off the ring apron, and the announcer announced, well, competitor, one, two, three, four, five, and six have been eliminated. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Is this like some sort of battle royal, royal rumble? Then he's then he's laying about eight of them on the floor after powerbombing and pinning them all. Uh, plaintiff number nine, 10, 11, 12, and 13 have been eliminated. I'm now thinking, what the fuck is this this is terrible what is guy you've got this big ass dude in there throwing people around no one knows what is this like a battle royal is this a pinfall count anywhere is this submissions i mean it's the only bad thing that AEW done this week but it's with one of their potential biggest stars and yes you had the whole thing with the tnt title afterwards which is clearly they they've kind of fair play to them they've thought on the fly Let's get Wardlow involved in the TNT title picture. And if you're being honest, you've got to put the belt on him. You know, you can't really see him losing to a Scorpio Sky unless there's outside interference and stuff like that. So is Wardlow getting set for a TNT title run at the maybe at the next pay-per-view? Who knows? But like you say, the whole MJF thing is going to go on probably for another two, three, four weeks leading up to one more match at another pay-per-view. It hasn't. Who knows what's happening with MJF, Mark? That could be a whole fucking podcast on its own. I mean, is it? Is it a work? Is it not a work? Is he kind of come? Is he? Will he be a forbidden door and he'll be back and something will happen? I mean, no one knows what's happening with that dude. He's probably gone from being one of the hottest properties in wrestling to something that no one really cares about. What did I say? Let him fade into obscurity. And that's what's happening. And, you know, Rampage probably is uh, obscurity is a good word. This is pretty much everything just couldn't make dynamite. You mean you had Sting returning, vanquishing uh, Kyle O'Reilly's balls, which was really the highlight during Darby <laughs> versus Bobby. You had Jade Cargill and Athena doing WWE oh. shit. I'm glad we're not even really talking about it because it really amounts to nothing. Uh, John Moxley whooping Dante Martin's ass. The Acclaimed did a pretty funny rap, probably highlight of the show. Hookhausen, who cares? Joe Singh stuff. 
Like I said, everything could make the cover dynamite. But to close out here on the HGT Buckle podcast, we're having our first. You know, we're going to run a little bit over than what we normally do, but we're going to go through this pretty quick. Sunday, June 26th, Forbidden Door, we're giving our official predictions, and the winner will be the predictions champion. So, obviously, <laughs> I'm going to go down here, and, you know, we're going to write down who we think is going to win, and we'll, we'll tally it up, and then we'll crown a champion after Forbidden Door. So, obviously, kind of a pay-per-view Burroughs isn't very excited about, but guess what? There's a lot on the line for Mr. Burroughs. Mr. Burroughs, are you ready? I am ready, sir. Always ready. All right, let's do this. Match number one, John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the interim AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Who do you got? I think we're both going to share the same answer with this one. John Moxley. Yeah, I, to me, it's a, it's a no-brainer. AEW can't put – it'll be a very good match. But I think they're obviously going to set up Moxley versus Punk. Uh, and maybe I think Daniel Bryant is going to get segued into that, some kind of three-way thing. Ooh, when, when I like that. That's my first time hearing somebody say that. I, That's I actually what I'm really thinking. like that idea. I'm thinking them three are all going to battle it out for the title and it's going to be an incredible wrestling match. So, yeah, I'm going to go for John Moxley, my friend. Cool. So match number two is the AEW All-Atlantic title fatal four-way. We got Miro versus Pac versus the winner of Malachi Black versus Penta Oscuro. And then the New Japan contender. And I, and I got to pat myself on the back here a little bit. They finally announced the contenders who would be fighting to vie for, for, uh, to be in that match. Uh, it's Connors versus uh, Kanemura versus Hanma versus Ishii. Ishii being who I predicted last week mm-hmm. would be in this fatal four-way. But I don't have Ishii coming out of this contest. It's tough for me, though, because you want to say they're going to put a title on Miro. You want to say they're going to bully him. Uh, you want to say they'd give it to Pac because, you know, Pac's kind of an all-timer here in, in AEW. They're obviously not going to give a New Japan guy, at least in my opinion. I got to go into Malachi Black. I, I think Ooh. the House of Black is going to get involved. Who do you got? I'm going to go for Miro just because of the way they seem to be pushing him. I mean, cool. I, th- I think you could be right, though. And if I'm, if I'm wrong on this, I'm not going to be surprised. But I think just for the way they're packaging him, the promos that he's doing, I think that they're going to put the title on him. Yeah, I think I think Miro would take this one. But uh, I'm not going to be surprised if Malachi Black does it. But I'm gonna go I Miro feel too. like this is the only type of match Miro could come out of unscathed because he doesn't have to be pinned to lose. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't going to hurt his singles record. That's the only reason I didn't pick Miro. But I, I definitely can't fault you based off all the packaging that you've given him that. Uh, so we go to match number three, winner take all, tag team triple threat. You got the ROH tag team champions, FTR, versus the United Empire being Jeff Cobb and uh, Khan, for the, who are also the IWGP tag team champions. And then the third team, which I don't even know why they're in this, Rapagi Vice, <laughs> Trent Beretta, uh, Rocky Romero. For me, you continue the FTR world tour of we have all the belts, this is our year. So I got FTR coming out of this one. Uh, I'm the same as you, man. I, I think FTR, they're my... They're probably my favorite tag team in all of wrestling right now. I think they're fantastic. I love watching them work. I watched the, they've done something with Bret Hart last week over in, I think it was Canada somewhere. Someone kindly posted the, uh, the, the match to me and I watched that. I love FTR. So uh, for me, I'm going to, every time FTR step in a wrestling ring and I get a chance to watch them, I'm going to be rooting for them. So yeah, I'm with you, man. FTR. Yeah, the, the, this is their year, obviously. It's how they're being treated. So let's go to match number four. We got Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa, which is not an interpromotional match. Don't know why the hell New Japan couldn't come up with something there. But AW Women's World Title Online, this is, feels like a filler match to me. Now, like I said, with the Thunder Rosa reports, I, it makes you wonder, are they going to take the butt off her and put it on Tony Storm, who's a fan favorite? I think it's a little too early for Tony Storm, though. I think that, that Tony's not going to rock the boat with Thunder Rosa, even with all the bad PR. I got Thunder Rosa coming out, retaining the AW Women's World Title. What about you? I would like to see Tony Storm win, but you know I think that's 
I don't. I think it's a bit too soon. I think Rosa wins and then goes on to lose. I could, I, I wouldn't be surprised if all this press stuff going on if they get her through this pay per view and then she drops the belt on Dynamite week after. Uh, something could happen there. But yeah, I'll, I'm with you, man. Thunder Rosa. This is where it gets interesting. We've got Jay White versus question mark. So it's not Hangman and Page. It's not Adam Cole. So we're going to guess who for bonus points, and we're going to guess the winner. I think Kenny Omega returns. I, I think that they are waiting to, to reveal this. I think that they've been teasing it here and there on programming. When Jay White first appeared in AEW, you know, they talked about him and Kenny Omega. He mentioned Kenny Omega in his promos overseas in New Japan when he beat Okada at Dominion. So I got Jay White. Uh, coming out of this contest, the winner. And I also have it being Kenny Omega. What about you? I have Johnny Gargano. Oh, man. Coming into uh, AEW. And I have him winning as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, if, if you win, I mean, I'm just going to crown you because I would have never had the balls <laughs> guess that. All right. So I'm going to put that for me. I mean, of course, I'm logging all this stuff down. We're both probably going to be wrong anyway. Yeah, I mean, the card's we're... still not final either, which it's sucks. Not final. Yeah, it's not Yeah, it's still, it's still, hopefully we should learn some more this week on Dynamite. But I think Gargano is going to be, once he does get into AEW, that dude is going to go straight. Imagine him, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, John Moxley. Imagine all of them in the same, Adam Cole in the same ring doing stuff together. It's going to be incredible. And he's still got Cesaro as well, too, sometimes. Yeah, well, and we haven't really... Ray Wyatt, come on, man. Yeah, and he's not at ruling. Oh man, Switchblade. I mean, that's that's Switch Sister Blade. Abigail versus Sister Abigail there. And oh. that'd, that'd be a hell of a matchup too. So uh, obviously, let's keep it moving. This is where the car gets a little, you know, la- uh, I can't really think of the word. Kind of lazy, in my opinion. Orange Cassie versus Will Ospreay oh, for the IWGP yeah. US title. I think Will Ospreay and Cassie are gonna have a fun little gymnastics routine. But I, I got Osprey pertaining to IWGP US title. What about you? I love Osprey as well, and I'm like, why are they putting him in this match? The Orange Cassidy thing for me, that ship has sold. That dude needs gimmick change. It's boring. I don't like watching it. I think the dude is fucking, he just bores the shit out of me. So, Will Ospreay all day long, and if it's not, then there's a trust. Yeah, let's keep going with the filler fodder matches. We got Jericho, Suzuki, and Sammy versus Eddie, Omino, and Yuta, six-man tag. I don't understand how this benefits Eddie and them to win it. I think Eddie and them, I, I think Blackpool Combat Club is going to get the W blood and guts. So I got Jericho and his trio winning this one. It makes sense for Jericho and his trio to win it. I mean, could Eddie and his guys win it? I mean, they haven't got much Ws recently. So just for just for pure entertainment and for rivalry between me and you, my friend, I will go for Eddie. <laughs> I like it. And then we'll, we'll do a little bit of hypothetical here. Might count, might not. We got some reports today that apparently Brian Danielson hasn't cleared, but there is rumors that Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. is going to happen at Forbidden oh. Door. Um, to me, you, it's hard because you just had Brian Danielson lose on, on pay-per-view. Zack Sabre Jr., obviously the best other technical wrestler in the world. I'll let you go first. Who do you have in this contest? Because if, if this does happen, this is a tough one to call. I'm going to go for Daniel Bryan. I'm going to go for a lot of the AEW guys because I think after this pay-per-view, you're not going to see a whole lot of these. You'll see a lot of the, some of the New Japan guys, but I think this is, this, this is as much as they say it's Forbidden Door and they want to rise the profile of the, the new, new Japan wrestling, which is great. I think this is more for AEW than it is for New Japan wrestling. And I think it wants to elevate AEW to the, to the next level. So I'm going to go for Daniel Bryan and probably what will be one of the matches of the night. I think it has a very good chance to be matched tonight if Jay White and 
Omega doesn't blow it out of the water or whatever happens with IWGP title mm-hmm. or mocks them, who I think are also going to have a, a really great contest. But as far as this match is concerned, I, I got the upset here. I got Zack Sabre Jr. coming out on top. Brian really has been putting over a lot of the younger guys on the way out. And I feel like as far as the title of best technical wrestler in the world, it does not hurt Daniel Bryan or excuse me, Brian Danielson to lose this match. So I got DSJ. So we got our predictions in line. I got it all written down. Hold us accountable. We got our scorecards. Um, Obviously, this Wednesday is probably going to impact that. If any changes are to be made, we will let them be known. But that's all the time we got here today, running a little bit over what we normally do. But definitely for a good cause here, our Forbidden predictions are locked in. We discussed a lot today, bros. But, you know, tell the people where they can find us. Obviously, social media guys, we got, you know, our link tree and all bios, descriptions. We're on everything except for TikTok. Uh, obviously, thank you for listening. and Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We love you, each and every one of you, especially if you're still here. But send us out, bros. Yeah, most definitely. Big thanks to everyone that listened. I mean, uh, we got Bill that's very active on our on our social media. We got Adam, we got Nick, we got we're getting more followers by the day on social media. Like saying we're an upcoming podcast, we're just trying to do our bit. There's many wrestling podcasts out there, but we are at HTT Buckle on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, the hitting the just type in hitting the turn buckle podcast. You will find us on there. But, yeah, it's been an it's, it's been an interesting episode, my friend. Thank God for AEW. Um, we are recording this on Monday. I'm not sure if I can bring myself to sit through Monday Night Raw tonight. <laughs> I might just YouTube the highlights tomorrow. I'm not going to lie. I'll have it on record because it's like 2 a.m. for me. I need you to watch it on a Tuesday. But, Parker, it's been a, it's been a pleasure talking some wrestling with you, my friend. Hey, man, I just want to let you know when we get in that squared circle this weekend that it's nothing personal. It's just business. It's just business, and I, 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 I've just got to go and see my my secretary downstairs and give her a quick ten minutes to keep quiet about what happens. But you know, it is, it is what it is. But it's been fun, my friend. Uh, we'll be back. We'll do this all again next week. We'll talk AEW. We'll talk WWE. We didn't even get into Slam. Uh, the TNA. Had oh a, yeah, TNA uh, had a thing, uh, right? Yeah, AJ, Slam anniversary. AJ, AJ Styles was on it. Uh, they had a few up. And um, Dixie Carter was actually there. I mean. Let's ask the fans a question. Listeners, a question. Fans, listeners, a question. Uh, would you guys want to hear us cover TNA? If so, let us know. I, I'm, I'm more than willing, but it's, it's all about what you guys want to hear. Yeah, if you guys want us to hear us to cover some uh, TNA, I mean, I, I keep, I dip into it every now and again. I mean, it's the content over here in the UK for TNA is not very good. It kind of gets some on the, on the fight network, but yeah. Hey, I'll be more than happy to talk some TNA. I mean, I'm definitely an old school TNA guy. Quite enjoyed it when uh, the uh, Aces and Eights, one of my favorite factions of all time. So, hey, look, we need to talk some uh, TNA. Let's do it. But my guy, Parker, let's do this all again next week, my man. It's been a pleasure. See you after Forbidden Door Burrows. See you after Forbidden Door. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Andy Burrows. That has been the amazing Parker Hamlet. This has been the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. Stay safe.